This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Justin Kaufman, and this is Reset. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot gave her budget address today, and she made no bones about the fiscal realities the city is facing. This year, 2020, not only challenged our workforce, it devastated parts of our economy. What has this meant to our city government revenues? Well, you know the answer, ladies and gentlemen. It has been devastating. Today on the podcast, we're going to help you unpack and understand the mayor's proposed budget. We'll talk with Alderman Scott Wagesback and Alderman Anthony Beal. But first, let's bring in WBEZ City Hall reporter Becky Vivi. Becky, what was your first reaction to the mayor's speech? Well, there was um, a lot to unpack. I think, you know, before she began her speech, they sent out, you know, the budget itself. And I've been sort of digging through a lot of it. And my initial reaction really was the overall number of this budget. The size of it is $12.8 billion, which is big. Um, It's bigger. It's about a billion point two bigger than than last year even. Most of that $1.2 billion is due to grants. So whether that's, you know, CARES Act funding, federal grants, and other grants. But when you actually look at the budget itself as it relates to city uh, services, apartments, that went down. So we do see some of those cuts reflected in there. And as you heard from the mayor, trying to even get that balanced was a difficult task that is going to come with some cuts to positions, Mm -hmm. cuts to people. And like we heard, a property tax increase, an increase to the gas tax, as well as an increase on um, cloud computing. So those are sort of the big high level highlights that are sticking out to me at this point in time. Yeah. And she she mentioned in the speech, and she seemed to drill home the idea of recovery and sacrifice. And, and the main takeaways here, we're talking about a property tax hike, and some of the other taxes you mentioned, but also layoffs and furloughs and service cuts. So, so let's walk through that, because uh, when we talk about layoffs and furloughs, uh, we knew that was coming, but that's something that spreads across city services from city workers to police and fire. Correct. So it looks like that's only about 350 layoffs, um, as you heard her say. So it's a mix of closing positions that are vacant that were budgeted for in maybe previous budgets and also layoffs. And then you heard her talk about furloughs. It wasn't specifically outlined in the budget materials, at least not that I'm seeing, but you heard her say five-day furlough for any non-union city employee, starting with herself, yeah, that she, said she will herself also as well. be taking five days uh, unpaid this year in 2021. So uh, that is going to be, we're going to watch how they kind of, where those positions land look like. About a third of the positions are going to come out of the police department. Again, I don't know how many actual officers that's going to be because it could be a lot of 
vacant positions that then they won't, you know, hire for essentially think about retirements, people leave, they just won't replace them. And so we'll see how that all shakes out. There's two other spots here I want to talk about too, because uh, talk about the the property tax increase of $93 Mm -hmm. million. She made sure to stress that number to say for households average 250,000, it's 56 bucks a year. And she said the line again to sort of downplay the property taxes uh, impact it's going to have on Chicago families. But she it, also uh, waited an hour to mention it. Exactly. That <laughs> was, know, my, was, that was exactly in. what I was going to say. She she seemed to kind of shove that in right towards the end. Uh, but but oh, people are here property tax. And, you know, obviously you live in the city of Chicago. That's a it's a sticky subject because it's not just the city of Chicago. It's Cook County as well. And when you talk about a ninety three point nine million dollar property tax increase, Will that have a, a significant impact on the budget? And is that something that you think uh, that city council right now is looking at saying, hey, that sacrifice, we got to push this through? It's not a huge amount, obviously, if you're talking about the $12.8 billion overall, but it compounds over time. And increasing the the levy to get, you know, it's 93, 90, almost 94 million. Um, it looks like also that they are counting on an additional about 16 million that will just come from new property coming online. So that's not necessarily an increase um, that you know homeowners might see, but it's just new properties coming online. I, again, I'm sorting all through mm-hmm. all sure. of this in real time, but I do think when it kind of came down to it, the gap was so big that if you pulled up all of the levers just a little bit, no, no one single lever would be too much, if right. that makes sense. So they're also dipping into reserves, $30 million in reserves. Some might argue that they should take more out of reserves. But, you know, I think it's a little bit of that, a little bit um, across the board to sort of spread out the pain, if you will, across uh, a number of different uh, levers. When when we talk about this budget, uh, what details in it do you think would, would likely get pushback from city council? At the end, the mayor made a big, strong statement towards city council, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, saying we did a ton of work on this, so you should pass it. But, mm-hmm. the, but the idea being, uh, what do you think would likely get pushback from city council? Well, I think that obviously property taxes, because they're going to just be generally unpopular, you know, not going after a bigger increase, hopefully is a way for them to sort of get aldermen on board. But that's going to be the thing that constituents are going to complain to them about. So I think that's a big part of it. There's also, I think, going to be a huge discussion around public safety funding, police funding, fire funding, Mm -hmm. you know, the departments that deal with public safety. You've got a group of aldermen, very progressive on the sort of democratic socialist side of things that really have been pushing for you know, the idea of defunding the police or shifting that spending toward, you know, different public safety practices. And then you also have a lot of aldermen who want more public safety <laughs> spending and in certain communities and targeted violence prevention. And, you know, the mayor, you heard her in her speech. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I've never been for the quote unquote defunding of the police. But I think that that is going to be an area of the budget where. There's going to be a lot of discussion mm-hmm. and potentially it's going to be, you know, when you think about an election year, there's single issue voters. There's going to be like aldermen who, you know, their vote is going to hinge on, you know, that. Becky Vivi with us, WBZ City Politics reporter on the line with us now. Alderman Scott Wagaspak of the 32nd Ward. He is the chair of the Finance Committee over at City Council, and he joins us now. Alderman, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, so your reaction to the speech? 
I think a lot of us realize, um, you know, the damage that COVID has done to not just our city budget, but across the U.S. and watching what other cities are doing and then what we see in this speech in terms of the budget, I feel like it's a pretty good budget to take a look at. And, you know, there's a couple areas of concern, but I think the mayor and her staff have listened to aldermen listen to constituents in, in many of these aspects and are going to try to put a, a good budget on the table. Well, that's just that's my next question, Alderman. <laughs> what are the areas of concern? Well, obviously the property tax, you know, and uh, I think that the issue here is we're not seeing a massive property tax increase like we have in the past. And a lot of the uh, property tax issues obviously uh, stem from the changes in the assessor's office. Uh, Fritz Kagi's come in, made a lot of changes where unpredictability was the way of Joe Barrios and, you know, all the tapping in by lawyers trying to make those changes has really done damage to the property tax system. The mayor offering up a CPI, I think, you know, in my area gives people predictability so that a taxpayer knows what they're going to get over the next four or five years, you know, incremental increase. Now, you know, nobody likes property tax increases, but I would prefer it that way instead of getting hit uh, hard every other year. Mm -hmm. One of the issues in the budget is about uh, refinancing and restructuring debt. This has been something that the city of Chicago has has done well, not just the city of Chicago, but I would think most municipalities have have really been part of all budgeting processes for the for for the recent times. Something you've been against and 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 in past uh, previous administrations. What do you think about the idea of balancing the budget by refinancing and restructuring debt? You know, in the past, the reason I was against it was because it was scoop and toss. It was very damaging to debt service. It it was done during periods of high rates, and I think somewhat to the detriment of our, our, well, actually very much to the detriment of our ratings. And the ratings really dictate how our debt service plays out. You know, sweeping these aging accounts that have money in them, going after these tens of millions in contracts this, this year alone, that have been consistently just reapplied every year. I think we're going to see a lot of savings there that the the agencies are looking for us yeah. to to fix. Alderman Wagas back with us here from the Thirty Second Ward, also chairs the Finance Committee for City Council. The one thing that that is questionable for me is basing any budgets moving forward on new revenue streams, and that's a big part of this as well. One hundred and eighty-five million dollars. How do you do that in the middle of a pandemic? We've seen how much. Uh, estimating in the budget in 2020 about revenue streams. I mean, obviously, the, the budget decimated by COVID-19. I don't know if you're going to see anything different in 2021. So how, how fiscally responsible is it to be talking about new revenue streams in the middle of a pandemic? I think you have to talk about them because when you're talking about them over the last several years, we were looking at issues like a pilot or payment in lieu of taxes that's essentially asking not-for-profits around the city like uh, academic institutions or hospitals to negotiate with the city to find a better way to add to the property tax coffers, to the revenue coffers in a fair way. But what we're looking at here is looking at a tax for uh, cloud tax increase, tapping into the rainy day fund, that's $30 million. And I, I would be very careful in tapping into the rainy day fund, which many aldermen and, and people that we talk to uh, outside of government say, hey, just tap into yeah. the rainy day fund. That's typically kept for government operations to uh, continue in the event of a disaster. For instance, you know, New Orleans gets hit by an, a hurricane. Without a rainy day fund, your government shuts down. Um, so right. you have to have that rainy day fund maintained. It also hurts your 
ratings and you pay more in debt service if you just swoop in and take it all. So we can't really do that. Um, increasing the TIF surplus has been something um, I've been happy to see that they're they're really tapping into that. So that's kind of where the revenues are coming from. Mm -hmm. But we would like to see the state really step up to the plate as well. We haven't been able to expand the service taxes. We haven't been able to see any other action at the state level to give the city the authority that they preempt us on for some additional uh, revenue options. So we're working with um, the mayor's office on that, but it's, it's important to continue to expand it in a way that doesn't hurt taxpayers, that doesn't hurt our businesses that are already struggling. Yeah. My last question for you quickly, is this a plan that city council is going to get behind? I mean, we're reading the tea leaves. Is this something that your colleagues at city council are going to uh, uh, pass? This approach right now is managing through a pandemic. I think it's a good approach. Um, there'll probably be some things that we discuss and argue over. And we have to be good fiscal stewards at this time with all taxpayer dollars. We can't hit any industry or taxpayer in particular. And we've, we've got to be cognizant of, of the the moment that we're in. Yeah. Alderman Scott Walker's back in the 32nd Ward, also chairing the Finance Committee and City Council. Alderman, always a pleasure. Thanks Thank for coming you. on the program. Thank you. Have a great day. Let's now turn to Ninth Ward Alderman Anthony Beal. Alderman, your reaction to the mayor's proposals? You know, we are in tough times, and this is a very tough budget. But at the same time, now is not the time to basically eliminate 650 positions out of the police department when we have the highest crime that we've had in recent history. Uh, you know, we're not um, solving murders. We know that the city is still in unrest. And I just think now is not the time to uh, cut back on policing. So we're cutting 650 positions there. We're, we're going to look at 350 positions from, you know, non-exempt or exempt employees uh, and refinancing over a billion dollars. Yeah. And so basically our kids and our grandkids are going to be the ones putting the bill for our, right now, physical responsibilities. Well, let's do this. I want to play a clip because she talked a lot about the Chicago Police Department and, the, and some of the issues that have been facing policing in Chicago over the summer, praising the work of police officers. I also reject the false narrative that it either fund the police or fund communities. Literal defunding means cutting officer positions in a department where close to 90% of the budget is allocated to personnel. Our police officers are not our enemies. And she went on to talk uh, about Officer Walker. She showed emotion when she was talking about uh, a, a Chicago child who was shot and killed. Uh, but she spent a lot of time humanizing police officers in this speech rather than talking about why people are protesting to police. Your reaction to that? Well, again, that, that goes to the trying to repair the relationships, you know, because right now there's there's a very tensious relationship between the administration and the police department and the FOP. And I think that was just a, a way of trying to repair the relationship um, but again, you know, uh, you know, anybody can give a great speech, but the, the proof is in the pudding. You know, you have to get out here and show the actions that, uh, you know, that we're out here trying to support the police and, and really lift them up for the job that they're doing. And cutting 650 positions, in my opinion, is sort of defunding the police uh, because you're, you, you're eliminating those 650 positions that were in the budget that should have been filled. And it just goes to show that we, were, we have not been hiring police uh, over the past year, year and a half. And so, you know, uh, when you look at the crime, a lot of that has to do, you know, with some of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, before the mayor gave her speech, I sent the press release out stating that uh, we need to put in $50 million for violence prevention. And, uh, you know, in the speech, that, she yeah. said she's, she's adding to uh, violence prevention to the tune of a uh, total of $25 million. But 
when you look at the work that like Chicago Cred is doing out here under Arnie's Dun- Arnie Duncan's group, they're spending fifty million dollars a year of private money to do violence prevention. And the fifteen most violent communities, and I do have one of them, out of the fifteen, the Roseland community is the only out of the fifteen showed a reduction of thirty three percent in violent crime overall in the city of Chicago. Nobody's asking us what are we doing out here. How is it that your community is the only one that has a 33% reduction in crime? Well, it's because we have a partnership. Arnie Duncan and his group are spending over $10 million a year in Roseland. We've been able to create jobs and opportunity. But nobody is calling saying, hey, what are you guys doing different out there? Come in and talk to us. Let's see what we can do to you know, mimic what you all are doing. But instead, we hear crickets. I wonder, you know, when you talk about the investment, because this is this budget, this speech is obviously making a positive speech and trying to spin the positive. The property tax thing came in at the end of the speech. But mm-hmm. but really talking about the investments, and she did talk about violence prevention. And it's understood in this pandemic uh, ravaged time that we live in when it comes to fiscal uh, budgets, that the commitment to what was supposed to be for violence prevention money is much less. And obviously that goes to, again, that not unexpected because we live in a in a world right now where there is sacrifice and some of these services aren't going to be there but what do you mm-hmm. say to to the fact that early on and and when she was elected she said i'm going to i'm going to start this office we're going to put 50 mil in and we're nowhere near that well again it just goes to show you know campaigning is different from governing uh you know once you get in the seat and you look at the the reality of what's going on uh you know that reality check is something else and so uh that's why you have to be very careful when people are campaigning that they, you know, you don't get caught up in being sold the bill of goods. And sometimes that's what happens. And so once a person gets in office and they see the reality of what they're dealing with, you know, you can't do everything that you think you may want to do. But at the same time, if you work with others on creative avenues and different, uh, uh, you know, approaches, you can obtain some of that. Uh, you know, you all know I've been trying to fund what we call a cop house. I have a corporate donor that's committing $250,000 a year towards a, a pilot program called the, uh, it's called a cop house. And uh, it has shown that it has reduced crime in other areas uh, in the country over 55, 60%. I've been trying to push this at no cost to the city of Chicago, and I can't get mm. the city and the mayor's office to sign off on it because it's not their idea. So there are innovative ways that we can start doing some things. But, you know, we have to really be serious about inclusion, uh, regardless of how you feel about a person. If we're serious about saving lives, you have to look beyond yourself and your personal feelings and do the right thing. Okay, Alderman Beal, the money question, if the, if the vote was tomorrow, would you, would you vote yes on this budget? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, because when you look at it, again, you know, we're looking at mortgaging our kids' future. When you look at borrowing, that's not making tough decisions. That's taking the easy road. Anybody can go and say, we're going to borrow to keep people from having to make those tough decisions. And that's what's happening. And, and most of my colleagues, if they look at it from that standpoint, that, you know what, we're not making a tough decision. We're taking the easy road and we're borrowing our kids' future away. And that's, what, that's what's got the city into the problem that we're in now. We're in this problem because we're kicking the can down the road. And right now, we just kicked a barrel down the road. Ninth Ward Alderman, Alderman Beal, thank you so much for joining us today on Reset. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. And that's today's Reset. If you missed Mayor Lightfoot's budget address earlier today and want to hear the whole thing, we're making it a bonus podcast today. Just check your feed and it'll be in there. And of course, make sure to watch this podcast for more conversations about the budget as it gets debated among the entire city council. 
I'm Justin Kaufman. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you right back here tomorrow for more Reset from WBEC Chicago. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.